Well, hey everyone, I'm so glad that you're with us again this week, or maybe this is your very first time. If it is, we started a new series last week called Baby Monsters, and Kurt kicked that off talking about pride, and it truly is something that we all struggle with. If you say that you don't struggle with pride, that's pride, so you can join the rest of us now. But what a great series. As we talk about some things deep within our heart that just have a way of taking over. In fact, our little byline, our tagline for this series is, when we tolerate these things, they will dominate our life. When we tolerate, they dominate. And I love the logo that we've used, by the way, baby monsters, because I believe that's kind of the strategy of the enemy. You know, he doesn't come in with this scary monster. Uh, it would intimidate and literally scare all of us. But it comes in almost like a friendly monster, as a fun monster, adorable monster, and we befriend it. And through the years, what we might find out is that this monster that we have befriended, that we think we actually need in our life, we turn around years later and this monster is actually controlling our life. And so we're trying to look at early on in the beginning stages of when these baby monsters start speaking into our life, how do we overcome them? How do we defeat them? How do we keep them out of our life so we experience life? And I love the series. I, I think it's awesome. And today we're going to talk about something that I would bet you would say you don't struggle with this. I'll be honest, before we started really looking into this and before I started studying about this, I thought, yeah, I don't really have a problem with that one. But the more I read and the more I really let the words of Jesus sink into my heart, I just have to admit, yeah, I'm pretty guilty of this monster sneaking into my life at times and having controlled the way I think about some things. And so before we get into it, I, I just want to ask you, how many of you know somebody who's rich? Just go ahead and just say, I do. Don't write their name in the chat area, but just if you know somebody who's rich, just give a little hands up or go, yep, I do. Um, you know, I think we all know someone who is rich. Now, different question. Would you like to be rich? Just go ahead. It's okay to say that you want to be rich. I want to be rich. Uh, if, you, if that's you, just say it. I want to be rich. Um, if you want to be rich, I want to ask you this question. <laughs> what would you do for $5 million? What would you do? I actually found a survey that asked people that question. Uh, so here it is. Would you listen to country music for the rest of your life? No other music. Every time you listen to music, it had to be country music. Would you do it for $5 million? Just answer yes or no. I'm telling you right now, I would say yes. I love country music. I'm sorry, but I do. I enjoy it. I would have no problem saying, saying yes to country music. 54% of people would listen to country music for the rest of their lives. Now, we live in Texas. I don't know exactly where you live, but we're in Texas. So 54% of the people would say yes. Here's a question for you. Answer yes or no. <laughs> this one. Would you have all of your teeth removed for $5 million? Just say yes or no in the chat window. $5 million, you get all of your teeth removed. Now, I'll be honest with you. I did just a little survey in our office. All the guys said yes. All the ladies said no way. My response is simple. 
Absolutely, because if I got $5 million, I could buy new teeth. So I would say yes. 42% of the people in the survey said they would have their teeth removed. All right, how about this one? Live in solitude for the next 20 years. $5 million, live all by yourself for the next 20 years. Would you do it for $5 million? On this survey, 24% of the people said they would do it. Uh, I can't go there. I just, that, that one beyond me couldn't do it. Um, you know, it's interesting when we start throwing around money, when we start talking about money, what we will do, what we won't do, what we'll pause to think about doing, it impacts all of us. And here is the, the, the bottom line about greed itself. It's very simple. Greed deceives. Greed deceives. It promises, promises you one thing, but it just doesn't ever deliver. It promises many things about life itself, but it just never delivers. And as I thought about the greed monster, you know, this adorable, cute, fun, pet kind of monster, if it were wrapped up in greed, what would it whisper to us? Now, again, it's not going to come in to say, I'm going to eventually destroy your life. No, 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 no. It comes in and whispers different things to us. I think early on in life, what it might actually whisper to us is actually this. What you don't have is what you need, right? I mean, we see this in children all the time. They could have five toys in front of them, <laughs> but if their sibling has another toy that they don't have, that's the one they think they have to have. This is what greed does to all of us. It just convinces us that the one thing you do need is exactly what you don't have. Um, I, I see this in my kids. And again, I've gotta be honest, I see it in myself. A new phone comes out and I'm like, I got to have that one. I mean, it folds out. I mean, after all, I can see better with a clear screen. You know, we come up with these reasons. I think the greed monster would also whisper to us these words, you just need a little more. You just need a little more. And then the greed monster convinces us, hey, this is for practical reasons. It's not because you're greedy. It's just that you just need a little more. It's that phrase, how many millions does it take to satisfy a millionaire? Just one more million, right? Um, just a little more would give you more life. And I think that's the third thing that greed, actually this monster of greed whispers to us, and that's this, more stuff equals more life. Man, if you really want to experience life, you need the newer, you need the bigger, you need the better, you just need more, and you will experience more life to come your way. Now, I, I'd say, again, I don't know about you, I have not only heard all three of those whispers by this greed monster, I've actually bought into them at different times. I'm just guilty of it. And, and maybe you are as well. And that's why I love the passage we're gonna look at today. Because again, Jesus, as only Jesus can do, he goes straight to our heart to maybe expose this greed monster that, whose lies is set into our heart. 
But then he gives us a way out of those lies to experience life itself. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12. And it's so interesting of what happens at the very beginning of the part we're going to read. But let me tell you what happens just before. Jesus is teaching to thousands of people and he uses a phrase that maybe you've heard in church before about God loves you so much, he knows the number of hairs on your head. If you've ever heard that before, Jesus just finished talking about this, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but for me, his number is going way down. I used to have nice head of hair. I've got two cul-de-sacs now and something working on the backside here. So, but anyway, that's uh, apart from the, the subject. Jesus just finished talking about how important you are to God. And then this happens. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus just finished talking about how important you are to God. He has every hair numbered on your head. And a guy stands up and asks about an inheritance from his brother. Maybe he's not receiving the inheritance in that day, an older brother would get twice the inheritance that a younger brother would. And maybe he's saying, hey, Jesus, you know that's not fair. I'm, that's not fair to me. Tell him to split it. We don't know exactly what the split would be for this guy. But it bothered him enough. It was a part of his life and his thought process to interrupt Jesus. So this is what Jesus actually says in verse 14. Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you two? Jesus is like, Sir, I'm not getting involved in this. And, and Jesus actually is only Jesus can do. He sees this man has bought into a lie. And the lie deals with greed. That this man believes that he will lose life if he loses his inheritance. There is a belief this man has that the future, the security of his life and the security of his future is tied up into this money that his brother is getting that he's not getting. So Jesus takes this opportunity to say, listen, I'm not gonna get involved in that, but I will get involved in this. Because not only, sir, are, do I see you struggling with this, I'm banking on thousands of people struggle with the same thing, this issue of greed. And so Jesus does what only Jesus can do. He takes a teaching moment. And here's what he says. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now this is fascinating. Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard. For what, Jesus? For what? All kinds of greed. I'd be like, greed? I mean, like, like that wouldn't be on my top 10 list, Jesus. I'm just being honest. Self-discipline? Absolutely, I struggle with that. Um, being kind to one another? Yep, I mean, put that on the top 10 list. But greed? Jesus, I don't struggle with greed. Now, you might actually think the same thing. Let me tell you why I would say that. Because in my heart, I have moments to where I feel charitable to other people. But I would judge you by how you spend your money and your time as a greedy person because you don't give to people. 
you don't take care of people. But for me, I have feelings of giving to other people at different times and caring about other people. So surely I am not greedy at all. And Jesus would say, but Kenny, here's the problem. I do know your heart and I do watch what you do. And there have been times where the greed monster, you have listened to and believed that you needed a little bit more to be happier. That you actually believe there's a correlation between how much you have and the life you experience. That if you lose this, you lose life. If you're not taken care of in the future, you will not experience life in the future. Kenny, you have made that correlation before. And Jesus would go, that is a form of greed that I want you to look out for. Now, Jesus then goes into a story known as a parable, okay? A parable is simply this. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus was the master teacher of parables, an illustration, if you will. And here's what Jesus said, just so the crowd would understand what greed looks like. I want to say that again. Jesus is about to tell the story, a parable, to show us exactly what greed looks like. And here's the story. Verse 16, Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. Now, let me stop right there. Never again will you hear Jesus talked about riches. He will not talk about a good crop. Here's why. Because that's not what the story is about. Jesus never condemns the man for being rich. Jesus never condemns the man for being a good farmer that produced a good crop. Jesus knows we need businesses to flourish. Jesus knows we need businesses to do well in our community so other people can get jobs, people get blessed. Jesus is not against bonuses. He's not against raises. That's not what the story is about. The story is actually about the first two words, the ground. See, here's what happened. This rich man forgot where the good crop came from, the ground. Who made the ground? God. So where did his good crops and riches come from? God. That's the point of the parable. Not that the man was rich. It's that the man wasn't rich toward God. This is the issue that Jesus is talking about. So he said in verse 17, now watch at this point the pronouns that this gentleman uses, this rich man uses. He thought to himself, by the way, don't ever do that. When I think to myself, it could go downhill quickly. I need to think to other people to hear what they would say to myself. I don't need to think to myself. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Did you see all the pronouns? My crops, my life, my barns, my money, my stuff. And this, this is how greedy people think, which is so fascinating because in the world we live in, we would put this guy on the front of a magazine. He was successful. 
What a brilliant businessman that he would make millions through his farm and his crops that he could build a bigger barn? Wow. That he would have like a side barn to put all of his money in and his extra crops in? Wow. Oh, and then he could actually retire early to enjoy, eat, drink, be merry, party, have fun, hang out with other retired people, play shuffleboard on the cruises. I mean, this guy was brilliant. Except Jesus says this is how greed works. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. What's wrong with that plan? Nothing if there's no God. Nothing is wrong with that plan. If eternity doesn't matter, nothing is wrong with that plan at all. That's why the next two words that Jesus uses after this story that society would go, what a successful businessman. Jesus uses these two words, but God. See, it's a different way of thinking. Jesus jumps into the story to say, I know this is how greedy people think, but God thinks differently. I know, I, I know this is like the plan, but God has different plans. I know this is the dream, but God has a different dream. You see, there's nothing wrong with that plan if there's no but God. And this is how it is in life many times, by the way. We make plans, but God has a different plan. We think a certain way about life, but God thinks a different way about life. And here's exactly what Jesus says. But God said to him, you fool. Wow. Not congratulations. Not you are amazing. You are a fool. Jesus, he did a really good thing. No, 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 no. He forgot God. He forgot to factor in the one who made the ground. See, there's no indication in the story that this man was rich toward God. He was only rich toward himself. He may have had feelings of being charitable at different times, but there's no indication whatsoever that he was rich toward God. He was looking out for himself, only himself, and watch, here's what greed does. Greed, the greed monster was telling him, you can secure your future. You can. You just need more. However, it's a complete lie. He could not secure what was beyond him, which was time, which was future. Only God knows those things. So this is why Jesus actually says he was a fool because something was about to take place he did not have enough money for. Look at it. But God said, said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Here's the quick answer, not you. That's the quick answer, not you. Whoever your wife marries, that's who's going to get everything you left behind and you worked so hard for. That's the answer. And Jesus goes, you forgot to factor in God. Now listen, I want to make this very clear. I want to make it very clear. 
Nowhere in this passage does Jesus say saving is wrong. Scripture would say saving is good. Nowhere in this passage does Jesus talk about you shouldn't plan for the future financially. Verses talk about that is a smart, wise thing. What Jesus is saying is you completely forgot God and everything that he's given you. You, imagine someone doing this, by the way. You thought and you actually believed everything that came into your hands financially was actually yours. That is what Jesus is calling foolish because it actually came from God, not you. And so instead of holding everything open with open hands, this man closed his hands to think he could secure his future and at the end of his life, enjoy life, be married, drink, and have fun. Great plan if there's no God. And then... Jesus says this in verse 21. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. I want to read it one more time. This is how it would be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. That phrase, rich toward God, is the only time it's mentioned in Scripture, in this passage. And it is. It is a caution from Jesus. It's a warning from Jesus. But it's more than that. It's actually the answer on how to push the greed monster out of your life. You see, imagine the difference. Imagine the difference for this rich man that God blessed from the ground so that he could afford to build bigger barns. But what if, instead of saying, this is all for me to secure my future for my happiness, my joy, and my pleasure, God, how can I use what you've given me for your happiness and your joy and your pleasure? That's the difference. That is being rich toward God. Do you see it? So it, it, just in wrapping things up, I wrote down a few things, how to guard against greed. And I think we find it in this passage and in the verses to follow, which I encourage you to read when we're done. Just finish the passage, finish reading what Jesus talks about. But here's the very first thing I said, how to guard against greed. I think number one is this, we get from this, treasure God above anything else. Treasure him above anything else. This man treasured his stuff but that we would treasure God over our stuff. Every morning, the best way I can, and there are days that I miss, but the majority of days, I just have a spot where I sit with Jesus. I open up the Bible and I just read. And it's not checking off a list. It's just saying, God, I want to know you more today. What, what can I learn about you today? But that we would treasure God above anything else. This is a hard issue of what Jesus is talking about. So treasure him above any of our other treasures. I, I love what the Bible says in John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. True life is not having more stuff. True life is knowing God. That is true life. The second thing that I wrote down would be this. Trust God to meet your needs. 
trust God to meet your needs. This is not a story or even a message on, hey, listen, you go out, you go live however you want to and don't worry about the future. No, 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 we need to be responsible. But at the same time, there is a trust factor that God will meet my needs. That in life, my hands are open. God, whatever you place in my hands comes from you. I wanna honor you and I wanna give the way you want me to give. So you tell me and I'll trust you to meet my own needs. If you keep reading the verses to follow, you actually find what Jesus said in verse 22 and 31. Do not worry about your life. This is Jesus speaking. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. But here's what I want you to do. Seek his kingdom first. And all these things will be given to you as well. So trust God to meet your needs. The third thing is this. Treasure God above anyone else, anything else. Trust God to meet your needs. Number three, give generously to what God treasures. Give generously to what God treasures. I love 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. Be rich in good works. Be ready to share and take hold of that which is truly life. I love that verse because greed will convince you what life is all about, having more, getting the newer, getting the bigger. And the Bible would step back and go, let me give you something different. True life, true riches, true living is knowing him and allowing him to use everything that he has given you for other people and himself. Now, I want to share with you how my wife and I seek to honor God, treasure God, and to avoid all kind of greed. Um, the very first thing we do at the very beginning of the month is we give a certain percentage to this church. Now, again, if you don't go to this church, I encourage you to give to wherever you do go to church. And it is set aside. It is marked. This is God's. This is his. And we're not going to touch it. And it goes directly to him. The second thing we give over that percentage is we have five organizations that we support on a monthly basis. It's things that we believe is close to God's heart. Um, human trafficking, uh, orphans, um, uh, uh, a place in Israel to help homeless and those who are in need. It's things that God has put on our heart above what scripture would call the tithe that we wanna be a part of because we believe God is a part of those things. And so we want to do that as well with our money. The third way that we try to avoid the greed monster is at any time we believe God wants us to give to an immediate need, we just give. We just give. We don't ask questions. We just give. And you're like, how do you know if that's really God or not? <laughs> Here's how I look at it. Satan's not going to tell me to do that. And if God's not telling me to do that, can you ever go wrong with helping someone in need? <laughs> I mean, can you ever go wrong with that? And I get to heaven and God's like, I didn't tell you to give that money to them. I go, oh, sorry, I thought you meant that generosity thing. That's on me, God. I mean, I just don't see that conversation going down like that. So for my family, that's the, the three ways for us we avoid the greed monster and keep him out of our life. We want to live with hands open to be rich toward God and the things that he values, knowing we can trust him and knowing he will take care of us. His record is flawless. I, I wanna share one other way that you can actually be rich toward God. And that's not only in the things that he's given you, but it's actually in how he made you. 
that he's gifted you to serve other people with your gifts and talents. And, you know, I'm not sure where you're watching this from, but you might be thinking, man, I'm not really connected to a church. This is really my church. I love watching. I love listening and learning. There is a place where you could actually serve in our online community and our online bridge family. Um, and I want to encourage you with this one story. This is a friend of mine. His name is Michael. You can see his picture on the screen there. And I've had the privilege of walking with Michael for the last couple of years through some very, very difficult times in his family. And But I love uh, seeing and hearing what God has done in his life through these dark valleys of life for him. God has done a miracle in his life and in his boy's life. And this week I got a text from him and I thought, Michael, could I please read that text if you don't mind? He said, absolutely. I actually have a section in my devotional entitled, God, if you ever wanna use it. And he goes, please use it. This is his story. When I first started coming to the bridge, I thought I could just roll into the church stuff because I'd done it for years, get the boys, and then make the weekly check off. Sunday church, check. Work and play, check. Ready for the next relationship, check. However, I found myself envious of those whose lives I wanted to emulate. Those who had joy, happily married, with children, I spent about two years allowing God to purge my heart from shame, grief, and disappointment. So many times I left service needing a cleanup in my aisle with a sign that says, caution, wet floor. Why? Because my tears of pain were finally being turned into tears of joy. I believe I'm healed up enough to volunteer and make a difference. The boys and I, want to be a part of the Teardown crew on Sunday mornings at the theater. Why choose the Teardown crew? Simply put, God has torn down my shame and replaced it with his strength. I'm ready to serve. <laughs> Come on, man, that, be rich toward God. Here's a man even using his pain, his mistake, his grief over loss, his shame, allowing God to transform him and now use him to be rich toward God and others. That is what following Jesus is all about. I love it. And so maybe for you, place financially, you can start putting God first in your life, but you can start at any time serving other people. We would love to help you get involved if you'd like to do that. I wanna pray with you if you don't mind. God, thank you so much for today. God, I'm grateful that when we open up your word and we hear your words, God, it just has a way of going deep into our heart. God, that you know how to show us if we're really greedy people or not. God, that do you really come first in our finances? Do we really serve you with all of our heart? Do we make time for you in giving our lives, our treasures to other people? God, I pray that we would follow the words of Jesus and God, that we would look forward to the day that comes our time where we are called to stand before you. And it would not be total loss, but it would be one, God, that we can look back to say we stored up treasures in heaven because we made you the treasure of our heart. And you had permission to use whatever we had. You had permission to use whatever gifts you've given us 
to make an impact and a difference in this kingdom. In your name I pray, amen.